Good afternoon and welcome to Giving Teams a Voice with University Business and Education Technology. My name's Anna Britton and I'm Managing Editor of those titles. Over the next half an hour we'll be discussing how universities can use technology to overcome various communication challenges in the wake of the coronavirus crisis. We'll be talking about clearing We'll be talking about the importance of the human voice, the use of telecoms, including Microsoft Teams, why you should keep things simple and cost efficient, and much else besides. With us today are three experts in the worlds of higher education and telecoms. I'll introduce them all in turn, and they can tell you who they are, and for a bit of fun, they're going to tell you the one thing that is getting them through lockdown at the moment. So. Professor Richard Harvey from the University of East Anglia. Hi, uh, good to meet you all. Uh, what's the one thing that's getting me through lockdown? Okay, um, Gresham College is a uh, really good online um, lecture channel. Um, it's one of the old style lectures, so you get 50 minute lectures on all sorts of things from Richard III through to modern IT entirely self-centered since I am one of their visiting professors. <laughs> but it's great. <laughs> on YouTube. It sounds good. Um, Sam Winterbottom from Gamma, which has supplied clearing services to the University of East Anglia. Good afternoon everyone, my name is Sam Winterbottom. I'm Head of Public Sector for Gamma and also responsible for uh, looking after our further education customers. Uh, we obviously provide a number of clearing solutions about uh, to, to about 50 universities at the moment, so uh, we do uh, and we are going to cover a raft of those. Uh, in terms of my uh, my lockdown must-have at the moment, it's four series of Peaky Blinders on Netflix, so uh, <laughs> I never thought I'd be able to watch it uh, or have the time, but it's incredible to be able to do so. Thank you very much. And Robert Hutchison from Exactive. Good afternoon, I'm Robert Hutchison, yes, I'm, I head up the public sector at Exactive, which recently became part of the Gamma Group after uh, acquisition in February. Um, we are Microsoft Voice Specialists. Uh, the thing that's getting me through uh, lockdown, apart from chocolate biscuits and wine, is um, I think just taking plenty of breaks, uh, moving around, and whenever I get the chance, uh, doing some video calls from outside in the sunshine. Lovely. Okay, uh, the coronavirus outbreak has upturned normal life at universities. Um, however, according to two studies, A-level students' ambitions to go to university remain largely unaffected. Earlier this month, a UCAS poll um, said 9 out of 10 A-level students still want to go to university. Um, that was backed up by a smaller poll released today by Student Hut. And a separate poll from the Higher Education Policy Institute found that 79% of students would not be changing their first choice of university because of current circumstances. And in roughly 10 weeks, we will find out if that's true. Clearing this year runs from the 6th of July to the 23rd of October. Um, Professor Harvey, as Director of Admissions at UEA, I'd like to start with you. What will clearing 2020 look like because of coronavirus? Do you think it will be different in any way? Are you planning for it to happen remotely, for example? Uh, we'll have to plan, it, plan for it to happen remotely, but I don't think it will. Um, I, 
I mean, I, I don't have any special insight into the epidemiology, but uh, you, you've got to have some planning assumptions and planning assumption is that we will not be in lockdown when we're doing clearing. Um, but we could be, so of course we have to have that as a, as a backup plan. In terms of the way things are running at the moment, as you say, Anna, it's remarkable. Everybody's affected by COVID, you know, 95% of people are reporting on their surveys that they're really affected by it, and nobody is really making any change to any of their plans at all. Um, everyone is expecting to go to university in September. They're planning to go through clearing. There's a little bit of evidence that a few people are beginning to be a, li a little bit more conservative about their choices. So they're trying to, so there's a sort of flight to safety from some applicants. So um, safe brands in the university sector are probably going to be a beneficiary of that, whereas things that are a bit novel and a bit uh, new might suffer a bit. But the, the, the message is really, it's all going to be unchanged. Okay, and will it, um, so we know that A-level results day is going to be as originally planned on the 20th of August. Yep. So um, are you expecting, uh, given the changes to A-level grades this year, are you expecting any extra confusion or anxiety? Are you expecting a higher number of calls? Yeah, so I don't know if you're aware, but the way the, the, there have been some announcements from Ofqual, who are the qualifications agency, on how they're expecting to give kids their grades. Um, yes. And it's quite a complex uh, arrangement, but broadly it has sort of three features to it. The first one is the teachers who were responsible for the predictions and the marking up to that point have quite an input. And then they, they have to supply a ranking within that school and college. And then the third bit is the qualifications agency essentially tries to merge those ranks. You know, so if everyone's up here, then it's trying to weave those ranks together and that gives you the grades. So it's quite complex. That's not fully understood by all applicants. So there's a group of applicants, particularly those who are, one might characterize in widening participation backgrounds, who don't seem to really, haven't really got on top of all of that. So that's one group that's a bit, problematic and there needs to be some messaging going on to them now to explain it to them and there's another group who are the private entrants the people who are privately uh, entering exams and they it's going to be difficult to deal with them so I suspect most universities will have some sort of special arrangement for candidates like that. Okay uh, thank you to the audience member who's just pointed out that actually it's GCSEs that come out on the 20th of August A-level results day is the 13th of August um, how many staff would you typically have handling clearing at any one time, Richard? Um, well, on the call lines, um, yeah, it's a difficult answer, Anna, because it's so peaky, right? So in the first few hours, you know, when the smoke is rolling across the decks, um, 300 perhaps, oh and then it, it drops very rapidly. So by Friday afternoon, usually down to about... 50 something like that all right um, so and it staff is a difficult question anyway because you've got all sorts of backup calls so you've got the team that are fielding the incoming calls you've got an outbound team you've got an academic team who are handling all those inquiries and a student team right okay and can you just tell us a little bit about the importance 
for students and for universities of a good clearing experience? What advice or instructions do you give to your team? Oh God, it's really vital. I mean, even if you're highly ranked institution, you'll be taking quite a substantial number of students through clearing. Um, so last year, I don't think there was a single university who didn't take students in clearing. There were, there were two or three who said they didn't, but they did. You know, we could see that they did in UK. So, um, so, and there will be some universities out there that have, I don't know if anyone's reached the majority of their students coming but that, that route, but it, it could well be. So it's hellish, isn't it? Because you've got a few hours really to persuade people of the benefits of your brand to be comforting, not to be predatory, you know, to behave properly and get all of that done in a few hours of clearing is really quite, a, is a major, major communication challenge. And I think the government's quite worried about this now, you know, the, the I'm, just, I'm sure you're aware, the government and the Office for Students and various other people have intervened to say universities should not make unconditional offers. I'm not sure they're really worried about unconditional offers per se. I think what they're worried about is sort of predatory behavior on 17 year olds who are anxious. And that's another one of the statistics from those surveys, which is the levels of mental anxiety among students in COVID times is, is quite high. Mm. Yes, of course, they are so young. Of course, some of them are only 17. I think we forget so, that. So the overpowering message, by the way, sorry, I didn't answer your question, but the overpowering message, which is the one that I'm sure all universities say, is, is to remember that it's not really, although getting the numbers is important, it, it's they're, they're young people and they're slightly vulnerable. So the most important thing is to counsel them right. That's an excellent point, thank you. Um, I'd like to bring Sam in now. Um, a good clearing solution will obviously be essential in this process, Sam. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And looking at it from the, the telecom side of things, which is predominantly where, where we come from, we obviously see it on, on a network. We own a, a, a full network around the UK as a what we call a mass clearing, a mass calling event. And that is surely, surely because uh, the, the sheer number of calls that pass through. And uh, as Richard mentions, normally on the Thursday, there's the, uh, there's the peak uh, where it's a very, very large calling event, a bit like take that tickets coming out when they uh, when they reformed uh, it's, a, it's a mass calling event and we have to deal with that as a as a network that's irrelevant for me when i look at it it's all about the students and how must that student feel when they get their a-level results and they want to speak to somebody not a robot they want to talk to somebody and talk to the the institutions and the organizations and the universities that they want to uh, that they want to get a place at and uh, that's where that's where we come in and that's where we can help uh, because the quicker that we can connect uh, students to uh, the teams who are taking the calls at the university the better uh, we don't want uh, students to have uh, uh, to, to not be able to get through to the organizations they want to talk to um, it's the one time almost when we're talking about 17 year olds and 18 year olds wanting to make a telephone call rather than a WhatsApp. It's the, the one thing I could imagine if I was that age that I would want to speak to a, to a human being about because it's a pretty important part of my life. Um, so from that side of things, it's really imperative that the, uh, the telecoms uh, and the call answering is, uh, is as robust as possible. And of course, on the flip side for the organization, for the university, it's important not to lose calls as well. We want to talk to as many 
many prospective students as, uh, as possible. And whilst it's not all about uh, filling as many places as, uh, as possible, I understand Richard's, Richard's point on that. It's very important to, uh, to, to, to ensure that, that students have a, have a course that they're, they're really comfortable with and, and importantly, the organisation's really comfortable with. So, uh, so yeah, I look at it from, from, from two, two perspectives. The technology that sits in between is, uh, for, for me, is, uh, is just getting to the outcome of those, uh, of those two experiences. Somebody being able to talk to a human, a, a prospective student, versus somebody being able to take a call without uh, without too much uh, too much aggro, um, and that's exactly it. Mm. Uh, and what 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 is clearing like for you on a day to day basis on the tech side of things? Is it quite stressful? Uh, put it this way: it's uh, it's got board level uh, board level interest on clearing day. Um, because obviously we offer, as I mentioned, about 50 uh, universities take our clearing solutions. Um, so it's, it's absolutely board level, uh, board level interest. We have a full internal operational project team who manage the, uh, uh, the clearing, uh, the clearing uh, uh, event every, uh, every August uh, and before that in terms of the preparation as well. Um, and also on the day we have what we call a war room, which is a full team of, of engineers and techies ready to, uh, to deal with any potential issues or, or call jams due to uh, certain what we call handsets or endpoints being busy and being able to reroute those. And also most importantly for the IT teams at the universities to be able to talk to us and, and get straight through if you like, rather than having to deal with uh, interactive voice responses and press this for that and this for that. It just goes straight through to that team uh, and it's an open conference bridge as it were. So it's quite, it's quite interesting. I find it very, um, I find it very fulfilling uh, in terms of delivering some of these services. Um, but yeah, it is a it's a big event for us and one we take very seriously. War room, I love the idea of your war room. Um, <laughs> just to remind everyone, you can ask us questions in the chat box about anything we've been talking about or any associated issues. Um, let's move on now to talk uh, more about specifically about the tech that universities can use for clearing um, and the good news is it can be a platform that many of us have become very familiar with since lockdown and that's Microsoft Teams. Um, Robert can you explain some more about that please? Yeah I think um, yeah we, Teams is obviously it's a Microsoft cloud-based application that, that most if not all the organizations on the call today will have access to uh, via the, the Microsoft Office 365 um, a licensing agreement. It, it's seen phenomenal growth over the last uh, probably nine months. I, I remember putting a slide together in about June or July and you know we were raving about how much or kind of surprised that it had 13 million daily users. Um, by December it had gone up to 20 uh, and just last month it was now at 44 million. Uh, obviously we're in a, a, in a unique situation and that's got a lot to do with especially the growth from 20 to 44 million users. But uh, you, uh, most organizations are now using um, uh, Microsoft Teams for, for collaboration, if, if not for telephony, um, but certainly for collaboration. Mm. And, and tell us, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure that um, the fact it's very simplicity makes it easy for staff to get to grips with uh, compared to other more complicated systems. 
Yeah, I think it's very intuitive. It's just, you know, it's accessible as from Office 365. So people, organisations haven't necessarily planned to use it. People have just found it. For others, it's been a lot more strategic and planned. Uh, and some people have been maybe concerned at how, how it's spread like wildfire. But certainly, uh, you know, teams that are dispersed and, and like the, it's enforced at the moment, having to work from home, being able to collaborate, uh, using video meetings, share, sharing documents, working on projects together. It's been an absolute, I guess, a lifesaver for, for many organisations. Mm. And um, can you tell me a little bit about, um, can you give me some examples of how it, how it works in practice? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, for many people, it's, it's, it's the, the kind of the focal point of, of their day. It's, it's the hub now where, you know, people are using email a little bit less than, than they were and maybe doing more direct, um, uh, I guess, instant message type chats on it they're, they're collaborating on documents together um obviously we can't meet face to face anymore so we're, we're doing you know um, similar to what we're doing just now people are getting together over video uh, and, and just being able to feel like they're that they're still working with their colleagues it still feels uh, much like a face-to-face -face conversation and and we're seeing a lot of that we're, we're seeing um a lot more use of it for for telephony too um I guess that's the one of the, the the biggest challenges that people are having is is how do they get access to telephony for home and, and that you know they're finding that their their current phone systems are not really up to that challenge. Hmm. Um, can we talk a little bit about common challenges that are faced by universities and other organisations as well um, when it comes to a big telecoms? event such as clearing what are some of the common what, what's the worst thing that can happen what's the worst thing that has happened oh, and how was it dealt with i mean there's this well sam's probably got better war stories than me but i mean there almost everything that has gone wrong could go wrong has gone wrong i mean we've had clearing this is not uea but we there are <laughs> universities where the call centre has flooded. There's ones where the main fat pipe into the university has been cut by digger. Um, uh, how many power generators do we have now? Um, I think we have a backup for the backup for the backup generator now. You know, um, so presumably that's because at least one university had a power outage at some critical time. Um, any more to add to that? <laughs> I think it's really important to have the the challenge is absolutely that it's the technology at um, at site as it were at the uh, uh, at the offices, and uh, one of the big things that we obviously focus on is that all of the solutions that we we uh, we look at are cloud based, so everything that we offer can overlay on top of an existing telephone system for example uh, you mentioned challenges what one challenge with an existing telephone system is capacity and how do you suddenly uh, add a load of capacity uh, into an existing perhaps legacy telephone system there are fewer of those now but it's an important uh, conversation to have and that might be achieved by uh, a cloud-based contact center that can just sit over the uh, over the top temporarily and uh, and manage calls for uh, for call answerers and uh, I hate the word but agents uh, agents or answerers in teams uh, ready to offer places and advice so because all of that's cloud-based actually uh, plays quite well into the fact that 
we may have to work at home, hopefully not, as, as Richard mentioned, hopefully we're back to normal by then, uh, by the 13th of August. But if we do, then we have the ability to, uh, to you know, to send that call anywhere and to answer that call, uh, that call anywhere. So that's one of the, the big, big challenges. Um, uh, uh, the, other, the second thing is the, the capacity of the phone system as, uh, in terms of the ability to, uh, to manage the calls and send them where they, they need to go. Uh, and again, I think having a, a raft of solutions around being able to direct calls if we're getting engaged tone from a telephone system to send it directly onto a mobile without any human intervention is, is one of the things that certainly universities really uh, really like about the, uh, the inbound or the Citron call manager services that we, we offer. It's that ability to stop losing, losing calls coming in because we see it at the network level, not at the local level. It's too late once it gets to the telephone system. Uh, but if we can see that a telephone system's busy in our, in our network by getting the, the, the default messages back, then we can do something with that call. So that student who's desperate to speak to somebody can be redirected somewhere. Right. Sorry to interrupt, but I mean, or to add, I mean, I think Anna, I mean, the internet is a contention-based uh, network so a lot of the solutions that the guys are talking about are, are carving out their own bandwidth you know so teams uses the azure um network i think doesn't it which is you know you're not competing with joe wicks in the morning when you're using teams and that's whereas what are we using here zoom so here we are you know we're, we're relying on contention and sam is offering a you know bandwidth that is dedicated so that you can be more you can be more reliable over a contention based network mm. um, what are some of the uh, most frequently asked questions that uh, you are asked Sam and Robert um, well we get asked quite a lot I don't know if it's not so much maybe a question but the you know the, back to maybe a previous question about challenges and I think I'm, I'm on maybe a, a couple of calls a day just now with organizations that are struggling to because they're, they are forced to work from home but their traditional phone systems are not really up to the job you know it's it's fine being able to have you know, video calls with your, with your colleagues but um, how do you continue to make make and receive internal uh, sorry external calls um, and how do you continue to operate as a, as a business? And I think, you know, people who've got, you know, whether it's Mitel, Cisco or Avaya, sort of the most common ones, they're not really set up to, to allow home working. And, that, and that's the, the biggest challenge that organisations are, are finding at the moment. Right. Yeah. I mean, from, from my side of things, we often get on the clearing solutions side rather than the team side, we get... We get asked an awful lot about the uh, the support that we offer, as I mentioned, board level and the war room. But there's all sorts of things that we can offer in terms of further additional support. Uh, for example, a lot of pre-clearing load testing. So let's practice. Let's let's fire a load of calls um, at uh, at the SIP trunks or at the the inbound uh, call control stuff that we set up. Let's see where these calls go. Let's see how the network operates under a uh, under a peak call scenario. Uh, so we, we we do an awful lot of uh, assistance with um, uh, with that. We also review uh, inbound call plans and uh, pass advice on, on on that as well. And uh, and we have some dedicated uh, teams able to uh, to ensure that calls can always go somewhere rather than reaching an engaged tone. Um, and then of course it's the temporary uh, the temporary question. You know I only need it for one, two, or three months. 
depending on how long uh, how long this is going to go on for. I only need it for, for a, a temporary period of time. Do these solutions are these solutions available temporarily? And of course, that's part of the uh, of what we've put together is that that yes, we recognise they're not needed for 12 months of a year. They're recognised that they're needed for one to three months of the year. Of course, we've got solutions for for that temporarily as well. Right, got it. Um, I have a question from uh, from an audience member from Heffin James. Um, have you put any additional contingency in place following the dual fiber break a few weeks back? Hi Heffin. Uh, yes, we have, and more than happy to. I'll get uh, if that's okay. Your details after the call and send you what we've uh, what we've done around uh, around that. That was a, a subterranean explosion in some uh, in, in, in some cables that uh, affected <laughs> a number of carriers, unfortunately. But uh, yes, wow. we have. Great, thank you. A um, couple more questions from me. Um, how can universities use their clearing services from a marketing perspective? Well, Richard, maybe that's one for you. That's a major question. <laughs> um, well, let me just ask the question again. I mean, what are you asking, Anna? Do you mean do you mean how can a good clearing help promote the brand is that what you're yeah is it something that you would use in your marketing you would say we have an excellent uh, clearing service we oh. can offer you a very smooth clearing experience yeah that's a, that's a good question i hadn't thought of that yeah everyone says that and it's not true um so, <laughs> and um yeah, almost everybody will say something like, you know, there'll be some picture of some suspiciously attractive student laughing deliriously at you um, with a phone like this, you know, looking somehow combination of seductive and intelligent at the same time. <laughs> so everyone says that. The proof is in the pudding because um, it's a pressure purchase, you know. So the first thing to say is that in clearing, People might cold call 150 universities, but they're not likely to. What they're more likely to do is they'll call one of the ones that they had been in some correspondence with already. Mm. So uh, that's, that's the advantage of counselling. You know, students have had 12 months thinking carefully about the universities that were right for them. And they had the five that they chose, and then they had the 15 that they were thinking of. You know, and they were, well, I quite wanted to come to you, but I couldn't quite get the, on the UCAS form. Um, so probably, if you know what you're doing, you know about those people. So you're already in touch with them. Um, and so when they call you, you know that they've been in touch with you previously. So you can continue the conversation, as it were. So the, that list of maybe 15 that they're thinking about gets very rapidly modified if they've got poor telephony. So they say, well, I'd love to go to UEA. I, I like those guys. And Richard, he was a really nice chap. I'll give him a call. Oh, I can't get through. Right. Off the list and I won't go back to you. So that's, it's one of those areas where slick operations just can completely overpower people's desire because the time pressures on candidates are so tight. You know, it, it might be thousands of people wanting to come to UEA but if I can't be bothered to pick up the phone. It's amazing the, uh, the impact it can have on a, an organization's reputation you know if, if, if somebody doesn't answer the phone. Yeah I think it's different with a normal business if you don't mind my saying so because in a normal business if you don't pick up the phone 
people talk and it matters because those customers are in the market to come back to you. In our business, they're new customers every year. So they probably, you probably, that's one of the sort of challenges of the university sector is you can do a really bad job on clearing operationally. And the only punishment you get is that year. It doesn't sort of flow through in your businesses. Yeah. That it hurts a lot when you do that, but that doesn't happen to us. So that can lead to a sort of certain degree of complacency and laziness about operations, I think, which I'm not, I don't think is a good idea at all. Uh, I, I have a final question before we wrap up. Um, did any of you go through clearing yourselves? Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> no, but it, it, but it was very, very, um, it was a completely different business in those days. You know, it was very, very small activity. Anna, what, what I will say is that um, we provide on-site support as well. So uh, on a good number of years, I have been in, uh, in various different rooms, uh, helping out with various different call stats and, and what's happening. So uh, it's one of the most hair-raising experiences I've ever done, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. And, uh, I mean, and, and I think my job's on the line if we don't make it successful. So, uh, yeah. I mean, Ooh, it's absolutely fascinating bit of business because you're sitting there doing 50, 60 million pounds worth of business in a few days yeah. in an organisation that isn't tuned to do that at all. Um, Extraordinary. Well, we, we need to wrap up. That's all we've got time for, sadly. Um, thanks very much to Robert Hutchison from Exactive. Sam Winterbottom from Gamma, Professor Richard Harvey from UEA, and thanks to you, our audience, for joining us. Um, you can find out more about our panelists and their organizations at uea.ac.uk, gamma, that's the two ms.co.uk, exactive.co.uk. And you can read University Business and Education Technology at universitybusiness.co.uk and edtechnology.co.uk, respectively. Have a great afternoon, be safe, and we hope to see you again soon.